Hello and welcome to Delicious of History Sidebar. These are shorter episodes where we look at some sort of current event and pull back and look at some of the historic stuff around that current event. My name is Fega and I am your history person here on Delisters of History. If you have been anywhere on the internet this past week, you have probably heard about what has come to be known as the Jew Tunnels. In December of 2023, tunnels running underneath the world headquarters of the Chabad movement at 770 Eastern Parkway in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, were found. It was not obvious to those of us on the outside why exactly the tunnels were built, uh, but it was very clear that it was a danger to the building. As a result, on January 8th, 2024, the Chabad organization arranged to have the tunnels filled with cement. The students who built the tunnel were part of an extremist messianic sect that kind of grew out of the larger Chabad Lubavitcher movement. Basically, they arranged a sit-in to prevent the tunnels from being filled. The NYPD was called, there was a lot of yelling and chair throwing, and it ended up on social media. Anti-Semites had a field day coming up with all sorts of variations on old blood libel conspiracy theories. It's been an intense week. A few people online have done some really good sum-ups of this conflict and how it came to be, so I'll link those in the show notes. But I wanted to take a further step back and talk a little bit about the Hasidic movement at large and their importance in worldwide Jewry and just worldwide, frankly. A note before I begin, while I am Jewish and fancy myself fairly well-versed in our history, I am not Hasidic, I am not Orthodox, I do not have any Hasidic family, and due to the insular nature of the movement, this means that I will always have an outsider perspective, and that means that I'm probably going to miss things that an insider would know. This is meant to just be a nutshell explanation of the history of the movement, but take it with a grain of salt. And if you are an insider with this movement, feel free to get in touch if I got something wrong or if there's something that maybe there's a little more nuance to that I didn't quite capture. I'd be very happy to put that information out there. When the average non-Jewish American thinks of a stereotypical Jewish person, they're probably thinking of a chassid. Long black coat, white shirt, black hat or a furry hat called a streamel, long beard, curly side locks called payas, the whole nine yards. This particular mode of dress is representative of a relatively small Jewish movement that has had an immense impact worldwide. The Hasidic movement got its start in Ukraine in the 18th century with the mystic Israel ben Eliezer, also known as Baal Shem Tov. The big focus of the movement was on the practice of Kabbalah. Kabbalah is a form of mysticism that appears sometime around the 12th or 13th century in Spain. It is meant to explain the relationship between an unchanging God and the ever-changing world. Kabbalah gets pretty esoteric, looking at the importance of numbers and letters and the numbers those letters represent and stuff like that. It is said that one should not study it until they have studied Torah, the Jewish Bible, for at least 40 years. Because it's so esoteric. What the Hasidic movement in Eastern Europe did was bring a lot of these Kabbalistic teachings into the mainstream, mainstream Judaism that is. Hasidic teachings bring God into the mundane acts of life like eating and getting dressed. As I understand as some practices that I know I associate with like Orthodox communities, like putting on your shoes and socks in a particular order, come from these Kabbalistic ideas. Even more important is the idea that Jewish practice and worship of God should be a joyful experience. 
This aspect of the Hasidic movement has something of a populist bent. The idea that doing mitzvot or the commandments is more important than understanding them. Understanding them is good too, though, to be clear. <laughs> Over time, a variety of dynasties emerged with their own charismatic leaders called Rebbes and their own particular interpretations of the law or the mitzvot. The Holocaust was really rough on the Hasidic movement. Because of those visual markers I mentioned at the beginning, they were easily identified and often harassed by their non-Jewish neighbors and Nazi invaders. A lot of lives and knowledge was lost. Some of the Rebbe's, though, got out, including the Rebbe of the Chabad Lubavitch movement. Most of the other movements, as I understand it, like the other very large movement in the United States, the Satmars, took the Holocaust to be a sign that Jewish people must become even more strict in their interpretations of the law. They created insular communities where many of their adherents speak only Yiddish and don't teach much in the way of secular knowledge in schools. Chabad Lubavitch, though, went the other direction in a lot of ways. In 1951, the new Rebbe, Menachem Mendel Schneerson, headed up the movement and put the focus even more on the hopeful coming of the Messiah. The way the Messiah would come, according to the Rebbe, was through the joyful following of God. To quote Schneerson, One must go to a place where nothing is known of godliness, nothing is known of Judaism, nothing is even known of the Hebrew alphabet, and while there to put oneself aside and ensure that the other calls out to God. How he went about this changed Judaism forever. Instead of becoming insular, Chabad opened its doors and called out to the whole of the world's Jewry. Chabad has outposts of sorts in a hundred different countries. The goal of these outposts is to serve the Jewish community and ideally support Jews becoming more observant. In some places, like New York, this looks like standing on a street corner asking Jewish people if they have performed whatever prayer or observance that is required that day. In other places, it looks like providing kosher meals to area and traveling Jews and just generally create a warm and welcoming center of the Jewish community. That said, it is important to note that their version of Judaism is non-egalitarian and extraordinarily strict on pretty much everything. The Rebbe didn't just impact Judaism, though. He was a supporter of a number of assistance programs, including WIC, which provides money to pregnant women and their children for food assistance in the United States. His focus, especially in his later years, was on just kindness and the righteousness of all people, Jews and non-Jews alike. He really saw all Jews as part of the same family, no matter our level of observance. Because of this message, some members of the movement thought that he himself was the Messiah, something he did very little to openly dissuade. Those are the people who have had a recent interest in tunnel building. Like I said before, check the show notes for sources on that specific event. Whatever one might think of Chabad, their impact on the world has been enormous. They are always the first ones to get hit when anti-Semitism rears its head. So what is going on right now with this tunnel story is really important for all of us to notice. So on that uplifting and happy note, uh, next week we will be having a full episode where I will chat with author Mac Little about slave revolts in the 17th century Barbados. I had so much fun learning about this topic and chatting with Mac. It was a really interesting conversation. So come check it out Monday, January 22nd on all of your various pod catcher things. We'll see you then. Want to tell the Rebbe the words of the new song that we're singing with Mashiach, right? So I'm just going to read him. 
Am Yisrael have no fear. Mashiach will be here this year. We want Mashiach now. We don't want to wait. Okay?